Thank you for tuning in. We'll get to your program right after this short word from our sponsor. In your company, a challenge? Are you battling turnover and struggling to draw key talent? Is your team not performing at the level you want? Problems present themselves through conflict, miscommunication, creative differences, unclear expectations, and motivational issues. ARC Integrated is here to address these challenges through executive coaching and customized interactive trainings. Create lasting positive change that will improve your bottom line and create a culture that attracts talent and reduces turnover by going to arcintegrated.com. That's arcintegrated.com. What if investing in each other could change the world? I'm Joel Skeen with bizradio.us, and this is the Mindful Marketplace. Man, I have been looking forward to today's conversation for a while, ever since I met uh, Mike Figura, who is the owner, founder, and uh, CEO of Mosaic Realty, um, doing some incredible work here in Western North Carolina. Really excited to get to dive in with him about the real estate market here in Western North Carolina, but also really just about um, kind of the bigger picture and what he and his agency are doing to help improve the world and improve the lives of the folks here in our community and um, and broadly as well. Um, for those of you that may be new to the show, um, the Mindful Marketplace here is really designed to promote and to um, get to know better the businesses, the business owners, the investors, the community leaders, the industry leaders that are doing good in the world with their business and are doing good in the world with their investment money and their money as a consumer as well. You know, we like to say that here on the Mindful Marketplace that your dollar is your vote. And where you spend your money and where you invest your money um, is going to lead to a certain kind of future, whether that's the future we want or the future that we don't want. And I really am very grateful for all the guests that we've had on here that we get to discuss You know what it actually looks like to create that future together um, using our dollars, using the vote that we have with our dollars to help make the world a better place. And Mike is a great example of that. Um, I did want to give a quick announcements. We are still doing monthly events right now. Um, we are also um, helping a lot of folks actually eliminate their debt. I know Mike and I are going to talk about you know home ownership here. A lot of the people we've been working with recently are homeowners who have mortgage debt as well as student loan debt, um, you know, uh, credit card debt, and we've been helping families recently. If you heard um, one of the more recent episodes. With Mike Resma, we talked about how um, we have been helping folks get out of debt and eliminate their debt in half the time or less without having to spend any more money each month. So um, if you want to learn more about that, you want to learn more about the events that we're hosting, and you want to subscribe and get become a part of the community here with Mindful Marketplace, go to mindfulmarketplaceshow.com and click on either the Eliminate Debt tab, the Events tab. And just um, you know, listen to all the other back episodes too. We've had a ton of great guests recently that I've been very grateful to get to um, get to talk with. And if you enjoy this conversation today, I'm sure you'll enjoy those as well. Um, we are also now up on iTunes, on Spotify, on all the other platforms, uh, Amazon Music, uh, Stitcher, all the rest of them. So please go ahead and give a like and a subscribe if you like what we're doing here. That really is the best way to support the Mindful Marketplace and bizradio.us, your local independent business um, radio network. So without further ado, let's get into it here with uh, Mike Figura um, from Mosaic Realty. Mike, thanks for coming on to the show here today. Glad to have you. Oh, thanks so much for having me, Joel. I really appreciate it. 
Yeah, I um, I'm really excited to get to talk with you here because, you know, you're in some ways, uh, you and I share a similar background in that we were doing, um, you know, before getting into business and before starting our own uh, agencies, we had really kind of come from a different background. You know, a lot of people. Uh, I was talking with someone recently who said that they, uh, you know, they they see a lot of people who start in business and then eventually later on maybe move towards a nonprofit sector or some way of giving back. But you and I kind of have a similar background in that we actually started more in the um, either the nonprofit world or in the charity world and then made a transition into business, but brought those values here with us. Um, so I'm I, I'd love to let you share here with the audience a little bit about your background. What was it that you originally um, were doing? And are you from Asheville originally? Uh, to tell us a little bit about kind of your background, where you come from, and um, how how you got here today. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so I'm not from here. I've been here since 2004, but I uh, born in Newport News, Virginia, and then went to school at University of Virginia in Charlottesville. And when I graduated in 2004, moved immediately immediately to Asheville and have been here ever since. So it's been a great spot to call home. I've lived here longer now than any other spot I've lived. So uh, it's a great, great place and feel fortunate to be an Ashevillian. Um, but I did come to Asheville to do work in climate sciences. And then um, I moved into urban planning. I've got a, a background in environmental science and um, have taken a, some urban planning courses, which brought me in the direction of doing some consulting. And my, uh, my passion um, was really uh, for helping to make the world a better place. Uh, and that involves uh, the people and, and, uh, and planet. So working in environmental science and social um, realm, uh, urban planning kind of crosses a lot of those boundaries because the way that we build our cities really impacts how um, how we live our lives, whether we're walking and biking or driving. Um, and the, the design of our cities helps to uh, either re to reinforce whatever social fabric is, it's trying to create um, and whether that it has been used for um, nefarious things in the past, like redlining and segregating society, or whether it's designed to help to integrate society, not just so racially, but also mixing um, economic classes, and uh, which allows for more social mobility through the uh, through our society. Um, so I think there's there's a lot of ways that urban planning comes to bear on on the design of our society and how hard we are on the planet and how. Um, integrated we are as a culture. Um, my work in urban planning kind of came to an end right around the, the Great Recession when I was doing private planning consulting with a company called Green Plan. I was also doing um, some real estate development work and I'd got my real estate license. So after graduating, getting into consulting and real estate and I was dabbling in a little bit of all of those. But when the, the recession came, um, the development consulting work and the development work itself dried up. Real estate was limping along, but it was the only trade that I had that was still um, happening at all. So I decided to go head on into real estate and created Mosaic Realty in 2009, and then I launched it in 2010. Um, and that's kind of 
how I got into real estate full time. Yeah, I um I want to ask a little bit too about Mosaic. You know, you have now been running your own real estate agency for over a decade. Um, what do you feel like makes Mosaic different um, from other you know other shops that someone might have? Both as a I'm interested both as a customer, as a you know someone who's either looking to buy or sell real estate, but also you know internally too within your own company. You know, obviously you're you're made up of agents, you're made up of staff. It's not you're not just a one man shop there. Um, what do you feel like is different about Mosaic from every from the other companies? Not to say that you're necessarily you know better in every way, <laughs> although you might think so, which is which would be a good thought. But um, you know, is uh, you know, but what do you feel like makes uh, it's unique and special because it does seem to, from the outside, at least it does seem to have a different flair a, uh, and a little bit different um, environment and a different approach than some of the other places I've seen. Yeah. Thanks for asking. Um, and for noticing that I think the, the reason why I created mosaic is because I, I never saw myself um, as being in real estate full time. I always thought I was going to do something with a social impact and having um and finding myself in an industry that doesn't necessarily have a social and environmental impact by itself, I figured I, sh- I would create a company that infused my values into the process. Um, at the same time, I also didn't want that to be the sole focus of the company because I think a lot of organizations and or corporations, if they lean too heavily into to use you know use us because we do good for the planet, but you also have or for for people. Which, which is great, but I think you also have to be really good at your trade. And um, so I'm trying to uh, find the balance between being a really good real estate company that has got great marketing and that does uh, puts our clients first and then also putting behind that some um, social and environmental values, I, I think, is, is what uh, helps set us apart. Or at least that's why I created Mosaic because there was no company um, – that was doing exactly what I wanted to to do in real estate. Yeah, I'd love for you to unpack that a little bit when you say what exactly what you wanted to do. You know, I know you mentioned doing good for the planet um, and doing good for the community and doing good for people. What does that actually you know look like um, in a real estate transaction or in a um, in a development project? What is it about that that is you know kind of is makes it the way you want it to be? Um. Well, I think a lot of it is how we do our um, how we do our marketing is heavily through supporting local organizations that um, make our make our community a better place. So, working with organizations, whether it's on the environmental side or um, with children's well well being, or um, or women's rights or human rights or, or um, issues around. Uh, around race and, and gender, we're trying to have a um, have an impact. Um, and then at the same time, when we're doing a, a real estate deal, uh, we, we put our clients first because we care about people, whether that's the community or especially our clients. Um, and that translates to just a really good level of service. Um, so it's interconnected, but it also independent. I mean, one, we're just running a real estate company and I'm trying to run it the best way possible by um, keeping our clients' needs foremost. And then secondarily, running on the side to that is 
um, social and environmental impact work that we can do um, rather because we're, we're a local company. We're not sending our profits away to a headquarters somewhere. Um, I've got more money that I can spend on keeping things local and supporting the community and marketing that way. Yeah. Why is, why is supporting the local supply chain, the local business infrastructure? Why is that important to you? Um, it's important to me because, uh, well, our com- community is important to me. I moved mm-hmm. to Asheville because it's got a strong community and a strong fabric and, um, we do have our issues, but if we, um, if we don't work on our issues, then we won't become better. And as, as Asheville evolves and changes and we grow and we get a lot of people moving here from out of town, we need to strengthen the, I, I believe, um, need to strengthen the culture of why people are coming here. And that takes work from all, all of us, whether the business community, the nonprofit community, consumers, if we're spending our money consciously, then we're strengthening the place that we live. And um, it's uh, the biggest impact that I know how to make. Sometimes mm-hmm. problems seem too big and too global, and it's a little paralyzing. So working on more of a local scale feels more approachable. Yeah. Do you have any, you know, when you, um, as you move forward or as you, when you started either, or did you have any kind of inspirations that you look to like other companies or other organizations that were doing things the way you wanted to, that you were, um, you know, trying to imitate in some way or, um, or was it just, you know, was it where you feel like you were just kind of trying to figure this all out on your own? Um, to be honest, I definitely, well, I was not figuring it out all on my own. I had a lot of mentors and people supporting me around town. There was no real estate company that I saw operating in this way. Um, but there's bits and pieces of the people who I've worked with in the, in the community and, um, and then looking at just bringing my values to it, things that I'd learned in urban planning school from other countries. Um, and from other places um, came to bear as well. But really, it's a, it was a little bit granola and homemade at the time. <laughs> yeah, no, it sounds like it. And I mean, I, I, you know, not, not many people take that approach. I'm curious what you, you mentioned, um, you know, what you learned in urban planning school for both things that are happening here in our country, but also in other places as well. Was there anything that stood out to you the most that really had, you know, a big impact on how you wanted to operate? Um, I think a lot of how the, the co-housing model works and has kind of informed how I approach decision-making, um, and that is more collaborative and and, um, and not shutting down conversations, but allowing people in a group to discuss and come up with best ideas. Um, and, and as Mosaic has grown, I've really tried to keep that model going so that um, when we're making decisions as a company, I've got a lot of voices at the table because mm-hmm. there's definitely, in my opinion, more power in... Um, more minds thinking about something than me just being top-down leader. Um, so learning how to work collaboratively and how that kind of the collaborative process that urban planning fosters when you're engaging the community in decision-making has helped me to 
figure out how to run a business with getting as much buy-in as possible. And then even when people don't agree with the decision that we're going, they've at least understood, they understand the group, they understand the majority, and they're okay with it. And I think mm-hmm. that cohesion really helps our internal culture um, so that we are operating uh, at a high level. Yeah, that I love that because it reminds me of something that one of our previous guests, Michael Dietrich Chastain, who is a leadership um, coach and Arc Integrated, is actually a sponsor of the show here. He had we were at a recent event that we were holding, one of our community financial education courses, and he said that, and I love this. He said that the wisdom of the group is always greater than the wisdom of any one individual. And it makes sense because if you're an individual in a group, all of your wisdom is there, but also all the other wisdom is there. And I think a lot of leaders, um, whether they're the leaders of a business or even leaders of, you know, nonprofits or charities or, you know, political organizations kind of can get into a space where, you know, they think that their wisdom is better than the wisdom of the whole group. Um, and I, uh, I really love hearing that you, you do your best to operate in that way. Was there some kind of inspiration for that? Um, or how did you learn that? Or what, what was that process like for you? Um, well, when I was doing development work, I developed a couple of pro- green building um, projects in Asheville, uh, Hudson Street Cottages and, and Gaia. Um, I was part of the development team that put those together. And, and I actually lived in Hudson Street Cottages. And they're, they're um, courtyard cottage communities, not quite co-housing because there's not a common house, but what it's in an more of an intentional community with the intention of living um, sustainably. And so these were Hudson Street Cottages, eight units on half an acre in West Asheville. Um, They were the first green certified uh, homes in West Asheville. Um, And we had a common courtyard with uh, organic garden. And um, it was a very, um, it was a West Coast design, uh, a guy named um, Ross Chapin pioneered this model of courtyard cottages and did a bunch of them in Seattle as a way to bring density to, um, to cities without having, without losing the, um, green space around, um, homes as well. So for those of you who aren't familiar with why density in cities is important, it's to support, uh, walkability and bikeability and, and, uh, multimodal transportation. So, trying to build green homes in, in West Asheville and densify West Asheville was what I was doing. But then we developed a, um, a co-op around this model. It was, it was actually a condominium and I had to learn how to navigate it and run it. Cause I was the president of the association at first and looking at different models of cooperation with, um, with your neighbors on group decision-making have taught me a whole lot about, um, ways that that worked well and doesn't. Man, that's so cool that you were able to take something that you found in housing, apply it to the internal part of your business, and then have that reflect out in the in the actual, you know, in the external, in the business that you're doing with your clients and with your, um, you know, with your agents. You um, earlier you mentioned that the way that we build our cities impacts how we live. You know, you mentioned bikeability, walkability. Um, I guess what are is is there anything either that you found when you were studying this stuff either surprising or something that you think that you know most people out there who would who might be listening today um, wouldn't know that is how that that where a design part of a city 
impacts the day-to-day life of, you know, the residents that actually live there? Um, well, uh, it's hard to know because I'm, I'm so close to the, to the subject matter and the material. I'm not sure what is common knowledge or not, but I think, um, you know, when you, when you build a city, uh, you've got really three different design philosophies that you need to look at. It's uh, transportation, uh, land use, and then your, the actual design of the built environment. So how the buildings look and the form of the buildings. And if you, if you think about city design and those three components, then you will be able to integrate those into a way that either makes sense or doesn't for, for how, uh, how you're trying to get people to live. So for example, if you build giant roads and you're, um, and then you try to do a, a, uh, dense city around it, it's not going to work because you don't have that human scale. Your roads are too big. So I think if you have Patton Avenue, uh, would it really make sense to put like rows of townhomes and, and uh, right along Patton Avenue without actually changing the road design? Nobody wants to live on Patton Avenue. Not like they want to live downtown on uh, Church Street or one of the streets that are, are smaller with larger sidewalks and street trees. So you have to think about all of these pieces together to really get uh, an environment that makes sense. And in North Carolina, unfortunately, our roads are largely separate from the planning process because the roads are North Carolina DOT roads and the city mm. is got its own planning department, which is why you see a lot of disjointed mismatch between the road design and the land use design. A lot of the places that we think of as the best parts of Asheville from a pedestrian standpoint were developed before DOT was really a thing. And those patterns were already put into place and, mm. um, and the city was building its own roads and the form was built more built around people because cars weren't as big of our culture. But when um, DOT really start, took over road building, it took over it started driving the conversation about how Asheville was going to develop. And I think that's what we're looking at today with um, why things seem, why people think Asheville isn't really planned very well. Hmm. Yeah. So I am looking forward to digging in more on this with you, including things like just the general real estate market and what people should be aware of, um, what, um, you know, how people can actually know if local or if investing in real estate as a way of local investing is kind of right for them and all the other work that you're doing here in part two of this episode. So everyone, please tune in next week at the same time, same place here on Biz Radio US. If you're listening to the recorded podcast, um, make sure to check out part two of this conversation with Mike. Um, I know it's going to be awesome for us to really dig in and get to learn a lot more from you here. Um, appreciate having you on here today. Uh, make sure to go to bizradio.us to listen to this episode as well as episodes of the Mindful Marketplace. But really, check out all the other shows that are on there. We have a ton of excellent guests, ton of excellent hosts, really delivering great content each and every week. So check that out at bizradio.us. And you can also, as I said before, connect directly with me at mindfulmarketplaceshow.com. So Mike, looking forward to digging in with this conversation with you here on part two. To everyone else out there, please take care of yourself and take care of someone else. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you just heard, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and be sure to visit bizradio.us to find hundreds of other engaging conversations, local events, and more.